to discuss Season 4, Episode 15 of Farscape. Mental as anything. It's a Dargo episode. Yeah, it is. It's so funny because when we watched this, I was like, I don't feel like this is out of character for Dargo. I think this is an interesting, like, development of his character. And you're like, no, no, no. The problem is that it's Dargo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I actually have... Inside me are two wolves who are quoting Futurama. Okay. Both of them are kind of saying the same thing. There is, of course, because this is a Dargo episode... As you pointed out when I was complaining about this earlier, Lur, ruler of the planet Omicron Persei 8, as he would say, this is Uh, a Joey heavy episode anyway. Yes. Also, the neutral planet president, because I have no strong feelings one way or the other. I mean, I want to say it's better than last week's episode, but at least it was really, really funny that there was a spider lady who ate emotions. (laughs) This this episode is just Dargo ruins group therapy. Wow. Yeah, it is kind of. It kind of is. But I don't hate Dargo anymore. I've moved out of hating Dargo because he's not constantly fucking up everything for no reason. Seriously, it, I, 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 I really, really need to rewatch the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Because I haven't since we started watching Farscape. And... The, the whole Drax calling Thanos thing is, like, directly out of the Dargo playbook, the season one Dargo playbook. After we do Peacekeeper Wars and we're done with Farscape, should should our finale be watching Guardians of the Galaxy 1? Ooh, that is an, that is an interesting proposition. Possibly maybe a Patreon thing. Ooh, yeah, we'll just put it on the Patreon exclusive. We don't do a lot of those. We should do more of them, but... We mean to do a lot of them. Well, it's just... this is, Just doing our regularly scheduled podcasts and having full-time jobs and a child takes up most of our time. Yeah, we have a topper. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Who we both love very much. But she is the best. She is great, but, you know, it, it, it puts a limit on your free time. Yeah, definitely, definitely does. All right, so... Previously on Farscape, and now and now I have the Simpsons wolf inside of me. Mm-hmm. Say the line! Say the line! Aaron is with child. Honestly, though, I don't even know if that's on the previously on. Honestly, I don't think it is. What's <laughs> actually on the previously on is the only 30 seconds from last episode that mattered. Nothing about the spider lady who eats emotions in this previously on. Yeah, all you need to know is that John is being mean to Aaron because he doesn't need Scorpius to know that he can get to John through Aaron. And here's the thing. Like, that's how we ended the last episode. Where they were like, Scorpius is spying on me. He wants the wormhole knowledge in my head, so I'm going to be mean to you. And then... In this episode, they're fucking Rick and Amy from uh, Zitz. Is that too obtuse a comic Yeah, that's, that's, that's too obscure. Okay, there's a character in uh, Zitz called Rick and Amy as one uh, thing. Uh, because they're always, you know, making out. Like, they're, they're, they've become a gestalt entity. Yeah, they're just like, and, and I get that they're making out in Pilot's Den where they presume Scorpius cannot track them. Wow, is that a huge assumption? It's like, what the fuck, guys? Uh, and, I, and in fact, even when you and I were watching it, because here's what's going to happen. The crew's going to be split and we're going to follow the guys this week and we're going to go with the girls next week. It's one of those things, which is a weird thing to be a trope, but it is. Yeah. Because normally TV shows don't have enough women to pull that sort of thing off. Oh, Whoa! Right. Yeah! Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. That is why that's not a thing. 
Huh. And, you know, when it is more of a thing, that's when we get the boys' night, girls' night stuff. Yeah. So, Parks and Rec actually did a good one with the Bachelor Party episode. The mm. Bachelor Party, Bachelor Party episode. But that was, like, one episode. Leverage also did the thing where we see everything that happens on the guys' night out, and then in the next episode we see everything that happened on the girls' night out. Yeah, it's definitely a thing. I think there's actually two issues of 80s X-Men that does that. Yeah, no, it's but, a but thing. But it's a thing in a lot of stuff. Like, we could mention a lot of stuff where, you know. My point is, when we were watching this episode, I was like, Scorpius is already off on the therapy planet, so it's okay for them to be, like, fucking right in the middle of the ship. But no, I was wrong. He's not. He's not on the therapy planet yet. This is that thing where, you know, oh, teehee, we're sneaking around. It's so sexy. Except if you get caught, Scorpius is going to use your unborn child as leverage against the two of you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Whatever child Aaron's pregnant with, maybe it's Crace's. Who knows? Maybe it's her boyfriend that got killed in that flashback. It could totally be the boyfriend who got killed in the flashback. It's John's. But not this John. Maybe. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Maybe not. Maybe this John. Yeah, it could be from before he was split. They did have sex before he got split. So at least half this John. Anyway, <laughs> Farscape is weird. Farscape is weird. So Also, did she have sex with John when they were both old in that, like, pocket dimension thing? She Could did. some of old John's sperm have come back with her? No, because it was a different body, so I don't think she could. Oh, uh, they just didn't get reverse aged when they came out? I don't think so. I think that's, like, a, I think that's like a separate timeline that then ended up not happening. I don't think so i don't want to watch that episode again though but i feel like stuff from it has been referenced in like it wasn't there a thing with the locket from that episode like didn't that come back which no you're just thinking of the end of that episode where like they have the locket it's no a... I, I feel like that came back in a in a different episode well we know it. it's possible the locket came back because we know that the physical locket came back with them when they came back but the pictures that were inside had dissolved yeah. because of time yeah yeah and they don't have any memory of those times. Yeah. At it's least like, any conscious memory. It's a, it's a time travel paradox. So it's very possible that we see the locket again, because we know it exists there. Hmm. I'm saying maybe some of John's really, really old sperm. <laughs> it's not old sperm. It's not old sperm. Anyway. She's not going to give birth to a baby that's half Aaron and half really old John. So let's talk about the therapy planet. Uh, Scorpius is making them all go to group therapy so that they can do mental battle with the Scarens when the Scarens trying to do mind control on them. That's essentially what's going on. Yeah, it's group therapy that prepares you to have telepathic battles with someone, which I guess is also what regular group therapy is. Mind blown. Mind blown. Okay. Okay. Little, little, little divergence. Not exactly the same thing. But there is this great bit in Al Ewing's Young Avengers. Uh-huh. Not surprised. That whole run is great. Yeah. Uh, did I say Young Avengers? Yes. I meant New Avengers. I know. Al, Al Ewing's New Avengers. But there's this great bit where uh, Billy Kaplan's being possessed by this, like, extra, extra dimensional god thing. And it's, like, turning his mind against him. And... He, it's one of my favorite moments because it, it's casting like this spell of the well of poison thought or whatever. And Billy Kaplan's like, wait a sec, wait a sec, wait a sec. Your big, your big scary weapon thing 
is a voice in my head that doesn't like me. <laughs> like I know, right? I'm like, it, I, I'm, I'm me going, I have been preparing my entire life for this. Yeah, he's like, I've had anxiety since I was 12, dude. Are you kidding me with this? It, it's a great moment. <laughs> okay, so this episode, honestly, it felt like such a nothing episode as far as moving us where we need to be. But it resolves Dargo's thing. Well, I mean, it raises questions and then answers the questions that are raised. But. Who cares about Dargo's dead wife? I guess Dargo. Lots of people care about Dargo's dead wife. Not everybody hates Dargo like you do. <laughs> lots of people love Dargo. I, I just can't even. With, no. What I was going to say is I feel like this show, which counters so much of the. The kind of toxic stuff that's in sci-fi stories mm-hmm. i love that it's like yes the solution is therapy even though it's not you know great therapy but still therapy although i mean i'm we're saying therapy but the first thing that has to happen is that like you you go in and you are in all this mental pain fighting your enemies you're like it you know what it is it's that cave from star wars yeah that's yeah. that's what it is basically or if you'd prefer uh, Jean Grey's telepathic, I was going to say fight, but it's more of an elongated beatdown of Emma Frost and Grant Morrison's new X-Men. Yes. Where she's like, hey, tell me if you're sleeping with my husband, and if you don't, I'm going to basically force you to relive all of your worst memories over and over again. Yeah. I mean, it is, I really love it. It's such a brutal scene. Yeah, that was some of the best part of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, Jean's basically just deconstructing Emma by bringing her to some of her worst moments and trying to figure out what makes her tick, and it's a really effective way. Like, okay, so I I grew up on DC, mm-hmm. so that was kind of my first real entry into the X Men. Like, I was familiar with them. I'd seen the cartoon. I spent the first year of college living underneath a guy who was way, way into Cyclops, who is weirdly not our best friend Jay, who's also into Cyclops. Wait, seriously? <laughs> a different guy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. In fact, um, that, that, that X-Men t-shirt that I sleep in sometimes, stole it from him. Oh. Yeah. Huh. I, I always assumed that was a Jay thing. Nope. Shout out to Corey Sullivan. <laughs> anyway, I'm just gonna say, I'm just gonna full on say his full name on the pod. Okay. I mean, <laughs> it sounds like he has a hard name to stock. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry to all the Corey Sullivans out of there, but I think there are probably a lot of Corey Sullivans out there. No, he was a really good guy there. He like, he, he made me, he gave me an appreciation for the X-Men that I did not have before. Right. But so other than all of that, right, that was all my first year of college. And then that, and then the new X-Men run started. And so I'm like dating myself now <laughs> with how old I was when that came out. But so that was my first time I was like, I'm going to sit down and read, you know, issues of the X-Men as they're coming out. So that was like my first like reading the X-Men as they're coming out. And I loved the way that he handled telepathy and like what that meant. They. Terry Graham Morrison identifies as they. I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I'm, I'm so excited to learn that. I, that was the, I love the way they did telepathy. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot to read into Grant Morrison being non, uh, non-binary and the whole Cassandra Nova Professor X thing. I feel like, honestly, I kind of want to reread New X-Men now. There are parts of it that haven't aged great because, you know, the passage I mean, it of was, time is yeah. a thing. But like, 
honestly, I don't feel like anyone has ever written Jean Grey as well as Grant Morrison has. I am predisposed to being a huge Jean Grey fan because the first X-Men comics I got into were the first two volumes of the Essential Collections, which included the Dark Phoenix Saga and all of the build-up to the Dark Phoenix Saga. That was like a core memory for you, reading the Dark Phoenix Saga. It was a core memory for me. That and Grant Morrison's New X-Men, which are two books you should read if you want to like Jean Grey. So... I have good news for you if you want to reread it. We own it. And, like, based on the the way our, our home is, is set up, like, we're on a second story right now. But if we could reach through the floor, you could literally reach through the floor and grab it from where we're sitting right now. Farscape. Oh, my God. We're so off track. <laughs> no, but we're not. We're not. Because we're talking about therapy. And psychic therapy, which are both things in Grant Morrison's new X-Men. So, in this particular therapy... First of all, the kind of like the enticing way that they're getting John and everyone else to a lesser extent, but mostly John, who you tweeted out as that meme from Bob's Burgers where John (laughs) says, I'll go, but I'm going to complain the whole time. Seriously, I feel like this sort of thing is something you should go into with commitment. Well, I appreciate that the show gave us motivation for John, which is that he's not going in there with commitment, but rather... He has been told that this psychic trainer battle guy has information about that alien who came to Earth and... Killed Donkey Kong, his best friend. So, hey. We acknowledged it, finally. Yeah. He's Graham, because he got mentioned, like, twice after he died. Also, this is the first time he acknowledges that DK died. I don't think he even found out about... I I guess he found out about it on Earth, but... episode like there's no way for him to have not found out about it but he does not acknowledge it it's very weird yeah like dk was his best friend and i know he's killed a lot of people and he's lost a lot of people but it's really weird that his main earth guy died and he's like eh. yeah anyway so this guy has information about that alien also they all have these little like swordfish things that get put in their head and once they agree to start the therapy they cannot stop or the swordfish will impale their brains. Right. It's basically a, a less... Oh, sorry. Is that too obscure a reference? The Halle Berry movie Swordfish? I mean, I feel like that was everyone's password for a while because of that. Or everyone of a certain age, I suppose. At a certain level of nerdiness. I think you saw her boobs in that movie. I think you're right. I think you did. So they're all at the group therapy. The swordfish thing is just the, uh, it's a less showy version of the lobster from that other episode. Oh, yes, yes. Like if if you're not committed to this class, then this swordfish will stab you inside of the brain. If you tell a lie, then this lobster will crush your skull or whatever. Uh, except John is at no point fully committed to this class and the swordfish doesn't kill him. So it well, seems like a pretty empty threat. Well, no, no, it's if you leave. Like he, oh. he doesn't have to... <laughs> He doesn't have to be committed in his soul. I'll go, but I'm going to complain the whole time. Exactly. That's fine. Anyway, they're all in like first class, first day orientation. And Dargo's like, wait, I smell something. And one of the guys stands up and takes his, his hood off. And it's Mockton. 
I feel so bad for all of the guys in this class who aren't members of Moya's crew. <laughs> who are not here in. for this bullshit. Yeah, because Darko's like, you're my wife's brother who actually killed her. And the wife's brother's like, you're my sister's husband who actually killed her. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so just a refresher. I guess that is the refresher, isn't it? Yeah. and Yeah, Dargo, the reason Dargo was imprisoned on Moya is because he supposedly killed his wife which he claims was a lie and that Mockton killed her because he, he disapproved of their wedding because he disapproved of their marriage and Mockton seems pretty convinced I- i'm honestly i'm doubtful as to the resolution of this episode because Mockton seems pretty convinced that dargo is the one who killed her that he actually did go into lux and hyper rage and kill her and doesn't remember it because that's what Lux and Hyper Rage is. And people are pretty good at lying to themselves. Which is Which a one? Dargo or Mockton? Yeah. Yeah. Uh having said that, I mean, this is gonna involve this episode is going to involve uh flashbacks to what went on during during that period. So, so trigger warning. Yeah, so I mean it, it is I mean it is domestic violence. It's sci-fi bullshit domestic violence but it's domestic violence so yeah if that's something you need to check out of please you know take care of yourself that may or may not have happened but it is presented as happening in the episodes right exactly like unreliable memories and all that jazz but Mm -hmm. still it's there yeah and we are going to be talking about it so john is like john's like hey aaron i'm calling you from therapy it's so stupid i love you i can't wait to put my tongue in your mouth i can't wait to go rat hole to rat hole with you again and rigel's like aren't you trying to hide this little relationship shouldn't you shut up scorpius is like right there like seriously dude so the the whole moist crew realizes this is gonna be a bad idea like nothing's gonna get done and they're like we gotta get out of here scorpius says we can't and Rigel? Do you not remember the swordfish thing that just happened? Well, Rachel brings up the very good point. Why does he care? We already paid him. Mm. And that that's really never answered. I think he's just committed to his craft. Like he is a guy who's very serious about psychic therapy. Like uh, Nemo in Once Upon a Time. Remember, he had that compass that helped him find sad men, so that he could take them aboard his therapy ship and have them fight krakens until they weren't you know, toxic anymore. Oh, yeah. I said sad men. I should have said toxic men. Yeah, yeah. I guess kind of tomato, tomato. So we get our first flashback now of Dargo remembering... When he was married to Buttercup from uh, The Princess Bride. She does kind of have a Buttercup feel to her, doesn't she? But of course we know her name. It's Lolan, just like his ship. Also blonde, so dead. Also, we know it. We know what Dargo's backstory <laughs> yeah, is. So dead. Yeah. Anyway, we see her fighting with Mokta, and she's like, she's like, but father, I love him. I know it's her brother, but brother, I love him. He's looking pretty uh, '90s boy band for. I'm assuming he's a peacekeeper, a member of a. Yeah, he's a peacekeeper. Okay. He's like he could just be a uh, Sebastian. I guess most Sebastians are peacekeepers. So he is a peacekeeper. We know from Dargo's backstory that he's a peacekeeper. We also know because when Scorpius comes in to tell Dargo to like keep it in his sheath, as it were, mm-hmm. that the fact that Mockton is here at all getting mental 
gymnastics therapy means that he's probably AWOL from the Peacekeepers, so he's not as much of a threat as he would be if he was, like, on a ship, so maybe everybody... Everybody just be cool! I weirdly feel bad for Scorpius. He was just... He was just trying to get everybody tough so that they could fight the Scarens, and Dargo... Yeah, Dargo had to bring his drama. Seriously. Seriously. This is so... I know... For I I said for everyone else in the class, but especially for Scorpius, like he, he, we had one thing to do today. Sometimes I will go to work and I'll be like trying to do my job, and somebody I work with, and this is not just at this job. In fact, it's less at this job than any other job I've worked. But somebody will be there, and they'll be like in a bad mood for a bad reason right like i i have i have empathy for people who are who are there who are in a bad mood because like life is shitty and hard right Mm -hmm. yeah but they'll be like oh the the barista at starbucks took too long and now i'm just gonna be in a bad mood about it and take it out on everybody you know like bad mood for a bad reason Mm -hmm. and i'll be like leave your fucking bullshit outside we all had hard mornings because of capitalism, but we all came in here and we did our fucking job and I'm a fucking delight while I do it. Like, that's how I feel about Dargo. Just leave your fucking bullshit at the door. Although, of course, his his bullshit is his wife's murder. So maybe, maybe I need to take it down a notch. I'm I don't so, know. I'm sorry. This feels like such a season one ass Dargo thing. It is. Well, like, it literally is. It's literally his backstory. Yeah, but it feels like it's been a really long time since it came up. And I know you had the whole, like, oh, I guess I'm going to go off and try to find my wife's actual murderer. But that was for, like, one episode between seasons, and well, he gave up on it pretty quick. Well, honestly, if you want more evidence of this as being a season one-ass Dargo thing, he went off to find Macton to kill him, and then he realized that it wouldn't make any difference if he killed him because his that won't bring Lola back to life, and that's why he decided not to do it. Of course, you, you never know until you try. <laughs> Especially in the Farscape universe, honestly. But anyway, that's why he decided not to kill him, and he came back to Moya. So, yeah, you're right. This is season one-ass Dargo. Also, I mean, I know it's a TV show, so this sort of thing has to happen. But, like, it feels like a really weird coincidence that these two happen to be in the same right? yoga class. No, this is like... <laughs> Like you just have to accept it and move on. Like that's just the conceit. There's a whole universe out there, and these two both showed up for the same ten person class in tormented space. I mean, again, we it's something you have to like, like Rigel r- running into the guy who like captured him ten thousand years yeah. ago at Durka. Like it's just the sort of thing because this is a narrative. But oftentimes in life, you just never see people again. That's true. Although you do sometimes weirdly run into people. Like, it it works both ways. Hmm. So, yeah, this guy's like, hey, we're going to do psychic therapy and it's going to hurt a whole lot. And you're going to scream and cry and probably pee your pants. Also, we have fight club rules. Everyone has to fight. Yeah. So not the first rule, though. You can talk about it. I assume. That's that's how it's that's how his business works. It's mostly word of mouth. (laughs) But. Yeah, so the conceit of this class is that the first lesson is shooting psychic trauma lightning at each other from across the room until someone falls over, and then that'll toughen you up so that dinosaurs can't use heat rays from their hands to read your mind. Yes, that's exactly how it works. That makes perfect sense to me. I don't know why it doesn't make sense to you. I mean, I guess it's like... um, 
you know, building up an immunity to something. Like if you get punched in the face a lot, it stops hurting because you'll become immune to being punched in the face or eating small amounts of poison over time will definitely make you immune to that poison and not just like kill you. Well, also just to add to like the nerdery of what's going on, the like crystal that they're shooting rays out of is 20 sided, right? It's a giant (laughs) D20. They're like literally, they're like literally using mind powers to throw a glowing D20 back and forth. So that's what's going on. By the way, this guy, Star Trek ass design. It really is. It really is. I was going to bring that up when we got to our segments, but yeah. He looks like that guy that genetically engineered doctor from, I think, DS9 is gay for. Odo. Is it Odo? Oh, you mean Garrick, he looks like a Cardassian, you mean? Yeah, I can kind of see that. Yeah. See, I first thought- The one Bashir's gay for. Right, right, Garrick. See, I actually went to Odo first because he kind of has like a flattened face, which Odo has. But no, yeah, he also has, he has kind of a, yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you now. I wasn't using that pejoratively. I've only seen one episode of DS9, but I'm pretty sure those two end up boning. Yeah, they're boyfriends. Also, Bashir's boyfriends. We'll talk. You and I will talk off mic about DS9. I'll show you all the... Is Bashir the little black dress of uh, DS9? Yes. Like, uh, like... He yeah. goes with everything. Honestly, we're going to go... We, You and I haven't watched DS9. I've taken you through Star Trek by just showing you the wild, ridiculous episodes of Star Trek. And I'll take you through DS9 by just showing you the gay episodes. Nobody tell him that that means we're going to watch all of it. Ugh. Actually, DS9 is really good. It's, like, highly considered to be one of the best. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, but you're going to complain the whole time. <laughs> yes. No one has sex with a candle ghost in it. They never go to Cowboy Planet. <laughs> this is stuff I like out of Star Trek. Yeah. I'm sorry, Gangster Planet. Yeah, that's true. There's no candle sex ghost. And nobody goes to Gangster Planet. True, but there is there is there is a Roswell episode where it turns out that they're the Roswell aliens. Uh, Come on. Also, I appreciate uh, apparently Cisco when Q shows up and he's all, "Oh, I'm going to put humanity on trial or whatever." Cisco just apparently punches him in the dick, which I would yeah. like to see. Yeah, one of one of my one of my favorite lines. And oh, well, you we will watch that episode when we do our next next podcast. Welcome to the Q Continuum because we're going to do all the Q episodes. But one of my favorite Q lines when he's like, you hit me! Picard never hit me! <laughs> yeah, no. Deep Space Nine. Yeah, we'll, we'll watch that episode. You, the, one of the problems with Deep Space Nine, though, as far as me introducing you to it, mm-hmm. is that the most ridiculous episodes, unlike Next Gen or Original Series... The most ridiculous episodes of DS9 are also the most intolerable. So, like, you would think, you would think that I would be all excited to show you the episode where they have a baseball game against the Vulcan ship. But no, that episode's just terrible. Like, in a bad way, in, like, a boring way. Plus, it it features that child you hate, right? I... Okay, so... I, I feel like everyone is really unfair to Wesley Crusher. I'm like, 
team Wesley Crusher over here. And I know, and here's the thing, in the year of our Lord 2023, I don't have to defend that anymore because all of the women of my age who are team Wesley Crusher, who like grew up team Wesley Crusher are adults now and we all understand that everybody was unfair to Wesley Crusher because that's just the way it was. But you know what? Fuck Jake Sisko. He is, you know what he is? A Connor Angel. No. He's my go-to for annoying teenagers. Because he's not annoying per se on his on his own, but he is such a nepotism baby. He's like, oh, my dad's the emissary, and that means I get to be embedded with this military and just get in the way all the fucking time so that I can be, like, kid reporter. Like, fuck you, Jake. Also, oh, my God. When Nog is like, he needs money for shit, and Jake is like... And Jake is like, well, I'm Federation, so I'm enlightened and we don't have money. And then he needs money and he goes to Nog and it's like, oh, oh, look who comes crawling to the people who use currency now, bitch. We just have issues with him, that's all. We should probably talk about this episode of Farscape. It's not as bad as last episode in the nothing happening category, but oh my god, a lot of it is just boring horse shit. I, I'm sorry, that's not fair to people who are invested in Darius' little journey of vengeance or whatever. But I'm Scorpius here. I'm Scorpius. I am like, this is not what we are here for. We need to stay on task. We need to focus. This was me in every group project when I was a kid. <laughs> oh my god, Scorpius is the guy in the group project who has to do all the work. He That's absolutely what he is. If we still did the things in our episodes where we were like... The episode in which, and we did like little chapter titles, this would yeah. definitely be in, in which Scorpius has to do all the work for the group project. With Scorpius, full strong, he's like, hey, dude, you have wormhole knowledge in your head. You need to be paying fucking attention here, not sending little space texts to your girlfriend who I'm pretending not to know you have. Although, come on, I'm fucking Scorpius. So there's this weird thing going on. Where Scorpius is almost Harvey to John now, except this isn't Harvey. He doesn't have that relationship with John, but he kind of still he's, is serving that role. He's buddying up to John. And I, I talked about this in another episode, but in a really, really, really weird way, Scorpius is the person John trusts the most. Mm -hmm. Not because he believes Scorpius has his best intentions at heart, but because... He knows Scorpius generally succeeds at whatever he does. He believes that Scorpius will achieve any of his goals, including getting the wormhole knowledge out of his head. Yeah. Like, John believes in Scorpius, which is a really interesting fucked up dynamic to have between the show's protagonist and someone who is still basically the show's antagonist. Sorry, boob sweat lady. Like, By the way, the previously on reminded us that Boob Sweat Lady exists because she's the one who sent the lizard thing that killed Donkey Kong. By the way, for our audience, it's, it's DK. That's that's why Max is calling him Donkey Kong. This isn't a thing he's done before this episode, so I just wanted to like yeah, throw I, that I, out there. In case you were like, what the fuck is he talking about? Max just woke up this morning and decided that DK was short for Donkey Kong, which is of course not correct. We don't know. Do we know what DK is short for? We do. I don't remember, but we do. So Dudley Kennedy. That's not it either. The thing that's interesting, you mentioned last week when I read the description of this episode, you were like, oh, everybody gets to go on their life-changing field trip with Scorpius, like yeah. like Zuko in 
Avatar The Last Airbender, but that's not the situation with Scorpius. Scorpius' situation with Moya's crew is not the villain getting a redemption arc. His situation is he has his reasons for everything he did, and he believed himself to be in the right. He still believes himself to be in the right. But now he is temporarily allied with our heroes because their goals are... They're not even the same goals. Like... No one wants the Scarens to have the wormhole knowledge. So we're all working towards that goal right now. And apparently no one wants Aaron to die of heat delirium. So Scorpius was on their side with that. Mm. But... It's really weird that Aaron's the consistent way into the group. That's why John was mean to her. Like, I guess he wasn't wrong about that. It's not fooling anyone. I mean, come on. Oh, I no, I know, I know. But... He's just being a dick for no reason. Yeah. But Scorpius, I mean, he is temporarily working towards the same goal. Mm. I mean, his his answer is that he should have the moral knowledge, which is obviously not John's answer. So, yeah, he basically, he beats the little, he, he beats the D20 test and John's like, okay, that doesn't prove anything to me because I already knew you had, like, strong mental powers. And he... Which you'd think would be the result of, like, growing up being tortured by Scarens all the time, but... It was. I mean, it, well, he's he says he's trained with this guy before, but we know that that is part of it based on what happens to John in this episode. I mean, it really feels like that episode of Friends where Monica takes a beginner cook class, you know, because she feels bad about her cooking skills. And then she's like, I'm a professional chef. And the teacher's like, get out of my class. It's exactly that like scorpius rolling up to the psychic guy being like hey train me in psychic combat by the way i've spent my entire life fighting against psychic dragons weird thing the teacher from that episode if i recall correctly she's gonna pop up in next week's episode of charmed wait seriously i am i'm almost certain almost certain that the teacher in that episode who teaches the learning annex class that monica takes oh Okay. Is Elise. I thought you meant the Skarin who <laughs> raised Scorpius was going to show up in next week's episode of Charmed. And I was like, really? No, the learning that, That's not less weird. I think that's a lot. I think that's a lot weirder. That's why I was so weirded out that this random Australian actress who showed up in like lizard makeup was going to be on Charmed next week. Anyway, Macton confronts John down in their, like, quarters or whatever. He's like, yeah, you know, Lux in Hyper Rage, Dargo totally killed his wife. And John's like, yeah, I don't believe you, but I mean, John. On one hand, I don't believe you, but on the other hand, who gives a shit if he did? I never met her. That's fucking cold, Max. I feel like that's where we're at with John. Like, do you think John would seriously care one way or the other if Dargo actually killed his wife? <sighs> You're right. At this point, I think John has kind of lost that season. That season, season one, John would have cared. Yeah, season one, John would have cared. This John has, like, quite a bit less of his brain mass now. <laughs> this John's been through a lot is what I'm saying. Yeah. Season one, John cared about that stuff. And also season one, John experienced Dargo's hyper rage for himself. So for season four, John, to be like, yeah, no, I don't believe you. It's a crock of shit. I mean, John, remember when you had to flee the ship? 
Because of the hyper rage? Because Dargo was too horny. He was so horny, he started strangling John, so they had to send him back to Perpetual Friday Planet to bone some lady until he no longer wanted to strangle John. That's exactly what happened. It's like a less sexual version of Amok Time. That's exactly what happened. Oh, less sexual? Yeah, definitely less sexual. Oh, yeah, definitely less sexual, which is weird. Than Amok Time. Yeah. Which is weird because... (laughs) Spock flies into murder horniness against Kirk and... Oh, no, no. Oh, no, that's totally horny. No, I just meant it's weird because usually the... Usually Farscape is the hornier of of all the sci-fis. Yeah. As I said in the episode where it happened, you know, where where Dargo, Chiana and Dargo's body jerked off uh, Rigel in John's body. Like, there's not an episode of, of Star Trek The Next Generation where Worf jerks off Riker. That never happens in that show. It's true. Canonically, Dargo has jerked off John before and... Also, Dargo had to jizz all over John's hands so that he could fly Lolan. This ship named after Dargo's dead wife. So have fun unwrapping that psychosexual nightmare. Anyway, there's this weird subplot that is basically just a single scene where the other the other people at this retreat are from a race that fought with the Hynerians. So Rigel's all like, ooh, put me in the box. And then he like... Shows his mental fortitude in the box, essentially. That's what happens. Yeah. We're done with that now. The Prime Minister called it barely a subplot. Okay, on to the main plot. We get some more we get some more Dargo flashbacks. You know, we see Dargo flying into a hyper rage and attacking his wife, and he's like, But did that really happen, or is that just a memory implanted in my head by that guy talking to me briefly? And it's like, I don't know, dude. I'm sure you threw, flew into less horny rages when you were having sex on the reg. Well, I mean, hyper rage doesn't just happen when you're horny. But we were given to understand when Dargo attacked John that hyper rage is like a thing that happens against another viable male. Like, it's it's a competitor thing. It's like a sperm competition thing. So there's no reason it would happen against his wife. Well, we don't really bring that up again, so I don't know. Now now it's just like a thing. If he was going to be hyper-raging against anyone, wouldn't it have been what's-his-bucket? Wife's brother guy? Yeah, if he was going to go into a hyper-rage, wouldn't he have killed Macton? Yeah. yeah. So. He's saying genetically speaking, it doesn't make a ton of sense for you to, you know, horny murder your sex partner. Yeah. Yeah. Although there could be... An implication that Luxons are physically more powerful than Sebations? I don't don't know that that's true. No, they are. They are. That's why he has the, like... That's why he had the rings through his collarbone to to have him chained up. Yeah. So Luxons are physically more powerful than Sebations, so perhaps... It's like when uh, Troy had to wear padding so she could have sex with Worf. I was thinking Jadzia and Worf, but yes. Same guy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. More DS9. Just saying, Troy's used to Riker, who I would imagine is an incredibly soft person to have sex with. You think you think Riker is a gentle lover, is what you're saying? I was thinking more in terms of physique and body hair. I think his physique is fine. Yeah, it's fine. But I'm saying it would be softer than... Than Worf. Yeah. 
And I don't think he was, like, super cut or anything. Well, I mean, it was pre-MCU. It was pre-MCU. Men did not have to be super cut. I went, when we were re-watching Buffy, we were re-watching season four, and I remembered Riley being insanely cut, and he was not. Like, he was in good shape, don't get me wrong. But, like, they had him shirtless all the time, and I remembered him being, like, MCU cut, and he was not. Yeah, no. Again, he was very fit. Yeah. So boring, though. Isn't it weird how he is Buffy's, from a neutral standpoint, best boyfriend? I disagree. Here's the thing about relationships in the real world, not on television. If someone punches you, you should never, ever date that person. If someone non-consensually punches you, you should not date that person. I agree. I I don't want to get into how Spike and Buffy would have been fine if they had a safe word. I I think there's a lot of things wrong with the Spike and Buffy relationship that would disqualify it for me. <laughs> I think Riley is the healthiest relationship Buffy ever had. Wait, I'm sorry. No, I, I didn't get to the reason it's a problem. I didn't get to the reason it's a problem. Okay. In the real world, the thing that most often kills a relationship, like, deader than any other problem, is contempt. Having contempt for your partner. And Buffy and Riley at the end had contempt for each other. Yeah. And that's, I mean, basically for all season five, right? Right. And so that's that's why their relationship is not the healthiest. Yeah. But the fact that he's her one long-term boyfriend who didn't actively try to murder her, I think probably makes it the healthiest relationship out of any of them. I... I that was... I mean, unless you count Scott Hope. No one counts Scott. Buffy had three relationships. It was it was Angel, it was Riley, who no one likes, the middle no one likes the middle boyfriend, and it was Spike. I'm Buffy Shipper. Again, I've famously gone on record as saying that Buffy should have ended up alone. So I win. She's like twenty-two at the end of the show. Like, she doesn't need to be with anyone. Okay, but she's twenty-two in a job where her life expectancy is sixteen. Not anymore by the end of the show. I don't know. I mean, are you saying that because the potentials are called that? There's a lot more slayers now. I feel like her life expectancy probably went up a bit from that. Just because there are more slayers? Mm, I don't know if that's true. Actually, forget the slayers thing. She's friends with Willow. She has time to date around. Like. Blah, 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 whatever, all the Slayers were awakened. She's friends with Willow, who's basically a fucking god at the end of the show. Yeah. That's when we get, like, white-eyed Willow. Light Willow, to contrast with dark Willow. Yeah. Which, it was hokey, but it got me. Also, it's one of the things, like in season five, where she's Buffy's big gun against glory, but she does, like, two things in that fight. Like, she wakes up the all the potentials or whatever, which is cool, but it's also not what defeats the first at all. Like, Spike wearing that amulet thing that Angel brought is what destroys the army of uber vamps. Like, Willow awakening all of the potential slayers bought them, like, five minutes. Okay, wait, wait, no, no, the, the thing doesn't activate until a certain number of super vamps are killed, so that... Okay, but Willow could have spent that time researching the pocket full of sunshine spell from season five and that would have accomplished the same thing no no the uber vamps are uh, immune to sunshine no they're not they're not no remember they knew that it was going to attack the house at night in the one episode because that was the one weakness they had oh okay 
That's weird. I'm visualizing that that um, construction site fight as being during the day, but it was at night. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, as, as, as much of an issue as all of this is, it doesn't change the fact that not my next tattoo, but the one after that is going to be a Buffy tattoo. Specifically, you know this, Max, I'm telling yes. them. Specifically, it's going to be Buffy Scythe with the banner that says, uh, now every girl who may be a slayer will be a slayer. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's not a cool moment. I'm not saying it's not a good ending to the I mean, show. You, you did effectively say that it, it got you, that it, it affected you. Yeah. I'm just saying, again, it's played off like Willow's this big gun, but it's kind of not that impactful on defeating the first. Well, I mean, you brought it up when we watched when we were watching Buffy and Angel, kind of when we were going back and forth, and Willow shows up on Angel to help resoul Angel, and it's like she's allowed to be full power there even though she's not being full power in season seven of Buffy. And you were like, if they let her just be full power, the show would be over. They made Willow overpowered. Yeah, which I'm totally fine with. Again, as referenced earlier in this episode, I'm a Jean Grey fan. You can write stories, especially Jean Grey and Grant Morrison's run. You can write stories that have a character that is way overpowered and still have them work as stories. Well, so it's interesting because I feel like Jean Grey and Willow are both women who are punished for the amount of power that they possess. Mm. And on the one hand, that's a story necessity so that we can, you know, have conflict. But on the other hand, man, it sure does seem like powerful women get smacked down. Okay, also a little unrelated, but... And I do not like Kennedy. Like, I'm less harsh on her in our last rewatch, but I feel like most of the reason... Uh, not most of the reason. There's a lot of reasons people don't like Kennedy. But I feel like one of the reasons why Kennedy was so irritating to me specifically is because she's the center of almost all of Willow's plots in season seven as soon as she's introduced. And Willow should be a much bigger part of the plot. Willow had this really cool thing about, you know, not being able to trust herself around magic now and like having to tap into her own dark side to fight the, you know, sorry, I nearly said the source, the first. Oh no! <laughs> like, there is a lot of really cool stuff with Willow that just gets ignored so she can, you know, make schmoopy faces at fucking Kennedy. Also, too soon after Tara died. Well, I was going to say they should have been dealing... Like, that's what the plot should have been partially, her dealing with that. I know they do touch on it, but... Well... And and I appreciate appreciate that Amber Benson did not want to come back for her own reasons. 100% appreciate that, especially with all of the stuff we know now about what a toxic working environment Joss was creating. Get it. 100% get it. But... And the thing is, it could have been super hokey, but having Cassie as the in-between, like... That the, that the, you know, first used to talk to Willow, I feel like that's actually kind of more effective than Tara showing up there. The whole, like, big, A, because the, the first was trying to talk Willow into killing herself. The whole, you know, you can't see her until you come over to the other side. Yeah, well, and I mean, Amber Benson has talked about how she wanted to protect the integrity of Tara and that's part of the reason she wouldn't come back. Yeah, like it would be too it would be too much of a thing to And have. I get that, I respect that, but I I feel like they almost wanted to punish Amber Benson by not letting Willow address Tara when she wouldn't come back. Yeah, and that's the thing about the killer and me, which is a rough episode to watch, but 
I feel like it does a really good thing with exploring how much of a betrayal starting to move on with your life after someone has died can feel like. Yeah. Like the fact that she is punishing herself for being happy after Tara's death is a really cool concept. It just sucks that it gets solved by her making out with Kennedy. Yeah. And it's like, that's not, that's not great. All this shitting on season seven. And you know what? Fair. I I think season seven is stronger than people give it credit for. And to that end, before we go back to Farscape, I just want to say, um, Season seven does give us conversations with dead people, which is no lie. One of the best Buffy episodes. Top tier. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, conversations with dead people is one of the best episodes of Buffy. Like, I'm not saying it's top three, but it might be top five. Oh, my God. We need to get back to talking about Farscape. This is not welcome to the Hellmouth. <laughs> you know what's funny? Um... <laughs> Wait, no, wait, wait, wait. You know what's funny? What? You and I have made the decision Mm -hmm. that we are never going to do a Buffy podcast for a variety of reasons. Uh, One of them being that there's just a lot of really great Buffy podcasts out there already. Um, It's, I think we've never said this out loud, but I think part of it is that it's a, a show that's really dear to both of us and talking about it kind of would make it, I don't I don't know, because I still love Once Upon a Time. I still love Charmed. I still, but it would make it a, a thing, right? I I don't want to. I don't want to do that with Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it wouldn't be my comfort show anymore if we were doing a podcast about it. Yeah. But it's almost like because we have decided to never ever do Welcome to the Hellmouth, we can just turn any episode of any other podcast that we do into Welcome to the Hellmouth. Yeah, there there was there was a meme floating around Twitter. Not too long ago, that was like, what What TV show do you think you could do a full podcast with without having to prepare at all? And I'm like, come on. Come on. I mean, we do that every week. Like, we, we prepare for Farscape and we get on here and we're dissecting conversations with dead people. All right. All right. The one episode that doesn't have Xander because they couldn't get Eric Balfour back. Which is a really weird reason. I'm assuming there's other stuff. Eric. Uh, oh, we're it back around. Yeah. It's Jesse and DK. Yeah. All right. All right. So I'm, 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 I'm jumping over you because we're, we're, we brought it back around. Yeah. We need, we need to get through this. We need to get through this. <laughs> so John and Dargo are like, yeah, we're fucking out of here. And the therapist is like, no, remember, put those things in your head. You can't leave. And they're like, okay, but this is, this is bad. Cause you know, this guy is here. That was not part of the plan. <laughs> It really does feel like they got uh, blindsided there. I thought you were going to say railroaded. This feels like a real, like, the DM is like, okay, the plot needs to, we need to resolve this character's subplot. Come on. Ooh, thank you for bringing this back to this being, thank you for bringing this back to this being an RPG, right? Mm. Yeah, this is a very heavy-handed DM moment because... Again, Darko has not talked, like, outside of naming the ship after his dead wife, we haven't talked about the whole quest for vengeance thing in a while. Yeah, no, it's like the it's like the DM was, like, trying to get all of these storylines resolved, all of these conflicts resolved, and they knew that their players wouldn't stand for it, like, normally, so they were like, okay, there's a thing in your head, you can't 
fucking leave. Oh, look, it's Macton. Remember when we were going to do that side quest where you killed Macton and then you emailed me and you said, oh, I have a final tomorrow. I don't have time to do it. Let's just say that I decided vengeance would be wrong. Fuck you, Macton's here. I have a whole plot in my head about the players who are playing this TV show. So Darko goes into his brain meat and he's talking to the brain ghost of his dead wife and he's like you'd tell me if i killed you right and she's like darko i'm your brain i can only tell you information you already have so when they were when they were together that'll show you space coyote when they were together when she was alive he was like hey promise me that if i ever go into a hyper rage and attack you you'll tell me so that i can leave and now he's like wait maybe i maybe all those, he, he's rethinking all those times that she maybe was recovering from being attacked. And she was hiding from him that he was going into hyper rage around her. And it's like, that's not necessarily what happened, but he's like, re, he, he's having anxiety, right? He's rethinking all those memories and he's recontextualizing that. And he's like, wait, maybe I did kill my wife. And Macton is just throwing that d20 at him. Yeah, this is part of his psychic fight with Macton. And uh, so we're flashing, you know, between him talking to his wife and blah, 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 with him in a Bjork video, basically. (laughs) Yeah, it is weird. Like he's standing in this dark room that has these like neon geodesic shapes just kind of blinking behind him and like a disco triangle thing floating around a disco triangle yeah yeah so now dargo's like look i'm done with all of your reindeer games i'm out of here and the guy's like the fucking swordfish in your head Are you, but he's even bringing that up he's like tired of that he's like he's not gonna respond to that he's like remember how john wanted me to tell him information about the guy i won't tell him the information if you leave and then Dargo, like, is like, fine, I won't leave in. The guy's like, ah, see, my teaching is working. You've controlled your rage. And Dargo's like, what? I, I... Okay, fine. I mean, granted, it's something season one Dargo wouldn't have done. Season one Dargo would have just left because his whole he, thing He had was... no understanding of consequences because yeah. he was still a teenager, basically. Gross, but yes. <laughs> Anyway, I mean, I, you know what? I get why Macton was against this marriage. His his <laughs> fully grown sister was marrying an alien teenager. It's notes on a scandal in space. So John wakes up in a cage. By the way, notes on a scandal. Good movie. Huh. Have you not seen it? I have not seen it. I meant to see it like years and years ago when it came out and then I never got around to it. It's really good. I mean, it's creepy as all get out, but like, it's really good. So John wakes up in a cage. And there is a fire pit underneath him in the cage, like the beach episode of The Office. <laughs> beach games. And he's... Because if he wants to survive the frying pan, he must first endure the fire. The frying pan being um, scaring heat beams in this case, and the fire being the fire that he's literally on top of. Okay, you said that line like you were repeating something that they say on the show and they didn't. You just made that up, but yes. it's pretty good. I like it. I'm here for it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to open my own telepathic boot camp where I <laughs> yell at people and put them in cages that I then set on fire and then they become stronger psychically. It feels like you just burn the shit out of your hands, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, since John is trapped in a cage, Dargo has to go to Rigel for advice, and Rigel's like, look, we know Macton's lying because he's a peacekeeper and his lips are moving. So, you know... APAB. All peacekeepers are bastards, remember? Also, also, who cares? I mean, I feel like we should. We should care. I mean, Rachel isn't the sort of person you should go for dead wife sympathy. Didn't he have like 300 wives or something? I'm sure, but I don't think he killed any of them personally. Yeah. Actually, wait, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I 10,000% believe that Rigel has killed some of his wives personally. Huh. Rigel's awful. Huh. Well, it's so it's funny that you say that because they've kind of been doing a slow, not a slow, but like a half-hearted, half-hearted is the word I want. They've been doing like a half-hearted redemption of Rigel so that we care about him by the time we get to the Peacekeeper Wars. Huh. I feel like this episode is trying to do some of that. Like, they give Rigel that moment where he's doing the willpower fight, and now he's kind of trying to bolster Dargo up. I'm sorry. I just... Remember in the episode with the mirror crew where he's having sex with the, you know, female Hynarian who turns out to be the traitor? And then she's like, yeah, I betrayed you, and I'm gonna kill you all. And also, you've been having sex with me because I lied to you about being royal, but I'm not royal at all. I'm a commoner. And he's like, ew, gross! And he shoots her out of an airlock. Do you remember that? Because that was earlier this season, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't this a character you like and sympathize with? No, no, but is that... Uh, also, the, the female Hynarian was just him with with eyelashes. Or it's just a Rigel like a, puppet with eyelashes. Like, it's fucking Mickey and Minnie Mouse. Okay, wait, but I have, a benef- I have the benefit that you do not have. Of having seen the rest of the show. Of knowing the one super redeeming thing that Rigel will do. <laughs> that was a guess you told me. Oh, I did? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm not just really good at predicting stuff if that's what you thought. I did! <laughs> that would have been fucking amazing, right? <laughs> if I had just guessed that. <laughs> it was like... <laughs> I was, I forgot I told you, I was shocked. Okay, we don't do spoiler, we don't do spoiler things Alert. on this, on this episode like we did on Once Upon a Time, but I am Retrospect, gonna... we should not have done that on Once Upon a Time. I'm gonna spoiler bleep this though. Oh, okay, go for it. Okay, so, what's going on? Right, John's locked in this, like, grill, and, and essentially what's gonna go on is they're gonna throw keys at him periodically, and he's- Hot keys. Well, I don't think it's that the keys are hot. It's that he can't catch the keys before it lands in the fire. So he, he has to either catch the key or dig it out of the fire. I can't believe they paid for this class. Now, to be fair, if John had agreed to get into the D20 booth, then he wouldn't be locked in this cage right now. He would be in the D20 booth. But John was all like, oh, I'm too good for the D20 booth, so they had to lock him in the grill. This isn't even part of the training normally. This is the kitchen. (laughs) I mean, I don't know that. I'm just guessing that. You know what? This episode might be stupid, too. (laughs) But I feel like it's good stupid in a way last week's wasn't. I guess. I mean, I mostly thought of this as kind of a mediocre episode. Yeah. It was a mediocre episode that I'm having way more fun talking about than I did last week. Oh, I had a lot of fun last week. I mean, I was kind of losing it a little bit there, but I had a lot of fun. (laughs) 
With this, it's just, oh my god, Dargo and Macton are having another conversation about whether or not Dargo killed his sister in Hyper Rage. And I didn't kill her in Hyper Rage. You did kill her in Hyper Rage. I saw the bruises. I don't know what bruises you saw, but I guess they were probably from consensual stuff. Or maybe, yeah. Like, or, or maybe you never saw bruises at all and you're just protecting a whole bunch because you killed uh, your sister. No. I mean, I like. You killed your wife. My sister, my wife, my sister, my wife. That's not. I, I know that doesn't apply to me. I mean, I, I also, I mean, I'm bruised up right now just from like going about my life and, and bruising easily. Yeah. Like if I was in a sexual relationship with Dargo, even if we weren't having like rough sex per se. Okay. I feel like just normal sex with Dargo would leave me bruised up as a person who tends to bruise easily. Mm. It wouldn't mean anything was wrong. Again, Troy having to wear body armor to have sex with uh, Worf. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's what's going to go on. We're going to go... And, and here's the thing about Macton, right? By the end of this episode, it's going to be like, yes, Macton was lying, Macton killed his sister, Dargo didn't do it, right? Or did he? Woo! Well, that's the thing. Macton is very convinced. Like, he has no reason to to be this invested in attacking Dargo. I I, I... I I genuinely... I mean, I don't think the episode plays it as such, but I do genuinely think it's open-ended as to whether or not Dargo actually killed Alon. But also, again, who cares? Well, as I keep saying... I mean, saying, I guess Macton does. We should, which is why the episode can't be as open-ended as it really feels like it is, because... Oh, did Shiana kill What's-His-Bucket? Oh, yeah, 100%. No, I mean, no. it was also open-ended, but it also doesn't matter, is my point, Those two things, how those two things relate. Oh, well, but that's different, because it doesn't it doesn't make me not care about her as a character. Does this make you not care about Dargo as a character? Oh, yeah, if he killed Alon, fuck him. Huh. Yeah. I guess because I'm already pretty neutral on Dargo, I don't feel like it would change my opinion of him that much. Oh, yeah, no, no. If he, if he killed Alon, and then he went around... Like, I don't want to get into, like, prison politics, but... I don't know. If he killed Alon, I have a lot. I, I, I just, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck him. So we get a little scene of Scorpius being like, John, have you learned any lessons from being in the fire pit? And John's like, not really, no. And Scorpius is like, oh my God, John, I am trying so hard to help you right now. And John's like, I know you just want to scoop out my brains and eat my delicious, sweet brain meats. My delicious wormhole knowledge. Yeah. Om nom nom nom. But... Scorpius is like, Scorpius is like, why does somebody with such a bad brain have so much good stuff in there? Your brain is terrible. Why am I the only person who can't get stuff out of your brain? <laughs> that is kind of embarrassing. <laughs> Honestly, with how many people fuck with John's brain, Scorpius, this is kind of embarrassing. So once Scorpius is done, like, berating John, then the therapist has to berate Scorpius because we know Scorpius is a prior student mm. and he's all like, hey, uh, you shouldn't need a coolant suit. You should just be doing this with willpower in your brain. So like, like, oh, Uno reverse card. The way you're treating John is the way I feel about you and your stupid brain. Uh, maybe if you were better at meditation, you wouldn't be dying of sucking so hard. You suck ass suck. Like, have you ever thought about, like, relaxing and drinking more water, you weenie little bitch boy? 
I was gonna I was gonna make the have you tried yoga joke, but that's not even a joke. It's literally what this episode is. Yeah, it's have you and again, regular exercise does help with mental health. It's a but, thing. But it's not it's not a cure-all or anything. And also, it, it's like Calm Down, where it's good advice no one ever wants to hear and will accomplish the opposite of what you want when you say it. Yeah. I mean, also, yeah, no, regular exercise is good for your mental health. It's not going to replace, like, therapy and drugs, though. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it is a helpful thing. Obviously, it's not the whole kit and caboodle. Like, you you need to drink water. You can't just drink water. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, so Dargo comes to the kitchen. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to, my head cannon, John's locked in the kitchen. Dargo comes to the kitchen to talk to John. And John is all like, dude, I already told Macton, I'm 100% ride or die with you. You are my ride or die, bro- you are my ride or die brother. Do not even sweat it the way I am sweating right here in yeah. the kitchen. Also, unrelated, can you get me out of this cage? I know I'm talking about how awesome you are, but that's unrelated to the fact that you have the power to get me out of this cage right now. He actually doesn't have that power, apparently, but he does pour some water on John. Thanks. Thank you, Dargo. <laughs> Useful. But yeah, Dargo's all conflicted because he thinks maybe he did, in fact, kill Lolan. And John's like, I know your heart, bro. And your heart could never kill, bro. You're my bro, bro. Okay. I, I bruv you. I, I am going to say, I am going to say the thing that Dargo finally, I'm going to say it now. Even, the thing that Dargo finally realizes that makes him decide he did not kill Lolan, that is honestly a good argument. Mm-hmm. Um. He knows that Lalan might have lied to him and said that he wasn't hurting her even though he was. Like, he he understands now that that might have happened. Um, but that she would not have endangered... Uh, Jothy. Yes. So, she she wouldn't... One, once Jothy existed, once he was born, she she would not have lied to him about that. So, she was not lying. He was not attacking her. He did not kill her. It was definitely Macton. Hmm. It's just Macton is so certain. He is. And. Like, if we had more time, if there were more episodes, I guess we could delve into, like, maybe Macton didn't kill her either. Yeah. Entirely possible. Third party. Right. We're pretty sure Macton roughed up the corpse, though, so it would look like. That is, that is what, yeah. But, yeah, it's totally possible someone else killed uh, Lolan. Anyway, the therapist is therapizing Dargo. He's like, yeah, I'm going to bring out Lolan. And you can see her and talk to her and figure out what the deal is. But of course, as you mentioned before, it's not magic. He only knows what he knows. And as I said before, what he knows is that she wouldn't have endangered Jothy. Yeah, because she's like, you murdered me, Dargo. Murder. And he's like, oh, this is this is your brother acting through you using the brain magic. And and she turns into her, her brother. And he's like, how did you know? Because you know, I... Yeah, yes, I, I did forget. Macton, like, takes over the... Psychic projection. And the trauma of seeing uh, Darko bone down with his sister. Because Darko's like, she would never... Uh, let me hurt Jothy, therefore I didn't murder her. Now we're going to make out in front of you. 
Okay, I was going to say he doesn't make out with her. He just, like, does a thing where he holds her head and strokes her chin. But that is... Where the genitals are in... Uh... <laughs> Luxons. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's stroking her chin, to be clear. She doesn't have genitals there, but... Muscle memory. <laughs> he's like... Yeah. Is that weird for him, you think? Dating a woman who doesn't have genitals on her face? Also, the two of them couldn't make out, like, because he's got the paralyzing tongue. <laughs> I don't, tongue, think, I don't think that's how that works. Her tongue would fall asleep in her mouth. I'm, I'm almost certain that's not how that works. Oh. When he goes down on her, they call it a reverse sleeping beauty. Because because his kiss put her pussy to sleep. I'm sorry, did I ruin this episode for you? No, no, you actually made it amazing. You might have ruined all Luxons for me. I'm sorry, but Luxons are stupid. <laughs> Every aspect of their race is stupid. Oh my god. The the whole planet, the whole planet, it's all stupid. It's the stupidest stuff. Anyway, Macton, Dargo fighting. Ugh, it just it, it does. It goes on forever with uh, we we've 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 reached the end of talking about it, but they haven't reached the end of it. They go back and forth with Macton getting in Dargo's head and imitating the law and being like, look at how much you fucked me up and Anyway, that happens. Whatever. Uh, Whatever. Ma- Dargo wins and Macton's in a coma. <laughs> End of plot. John, meanwhile, is like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to burn the shit out of my hand and grab one of these keys and get out of this cage. And that's what all he needed to do to graduate. I mean, to be fair, all he needed to do to graduate was reach into a fire pit and grab a flaming hot metal key and let himself out of the cage with it. That's That's a lot. I wasn't kidding, though. This is literally the Office episode Beach Games. Yeah, seriously, it is. We've got our eyes on you, the Office. Yeah, yeah. You know what? We talk We talk a big game about Guardians of the Galaxy stealing from, from Farscape. <laughs> yeah, the Office. The Office is just Farscape in an office. Creed is Rigel. What? Michael is John. No, no. Creed is obviously Naranti. I Okay, Creed is Naranti, Meredith is Zan. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, Angela is Jewel. Okay. Is Aaron Sakozu? Aaron is Sakozu. I was going to say A- that. Aaron Sakozu. Uh, Does that make Andy Scorpius? Andy is Scorpius. Yeah, yeah. And Andy is Scorpius, and and so Jim and Jim and Pam, unfortunately, Jim and Pam, unfortunately, are, are John and Aaron. John and Aaron, and and Dwight is Grace. Yeah, Dwight is Grace. Yeah, and then when when Andy like freaks out because of Jim's prank with the with the phone. Yeah. That's that's basically the Aurora chair. Yeah. 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 There you go. That lined up way better than I thought it would. <laughs> That's just because all television is a formula, regardless of, like, whether it's The Office or Farscape. Yeah. So, they're all decompressing after their adventure, and John's like, so, how are you feeling, Dargo? Like, how how are you feeling not getting revenge on the guy who killed your wife? And Dargo's like, I mean, he's, he's in a coma. It's not like I did not get revenge on him. I didn't kill him, but, like... He's in a coma that's probably like a living psychic nightmare, right? Because like, he died in the dreamscape or whatever. Probably a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, like, this wasn't me not getting my revenge, dude. Well, I mean, he didn't go there seeking revenge. Like, it just... He just picked some up while he was out. 
He just picks him. Revenge was like up at the register. It was the impulse buy at the register of self-enlightenment. I really thought this episode was going to come in at like less than an hour. It's probably not now, but only because we talk so much about Buffy. Like it is wild how little actually happens in the plot. It's just, it's just a back and forth really to give us the audience doubts like that's the whole point and and it's, it does that successfully it's just when you summarize it there's not a lot to say other than hey you know remember hyper rage remember how fucking hyper that luxon rage was and you remember how luxons don't remember it maybe maybe yeah it, it's not terrible but it it's not one of my favorite episodes of farscape yeah, well, it's because you don't care about Dargo. I don't care about Dargo. If you cared about Dargo, this moral quandary would be bothering you. Yeah. In a, in a, in a like, good way. It would be like, yeah. Ooh, does this recontextualize when I think about Dargo? Yeah. But you don't care. Yeah. Yeah. But we do have a real, we do end on a real Harvey moment with John and Scorpius. Yeah, so Scorpius got the information about the creature from the therapist. Yeah. While everything else was going down. Bet you forgot that's why we actually came to this in the first place, huh? And it's he, boob sweat lady. The thing works for boob sweat lady. Right, but not just not just that it works for her, but that it can communicate telepathically over long distances, which we already know because we saw that happen. But that means that Greza is familiar with Earth. Like she knows shit about Earth. Hmm. That is important. That matters. So I guess we have to go kill Grayza now. Yeah. I mean, we, you knew we were going to have to sooner or later. Amazing she lasted this long. Is that Jan? Is Grayza... <laughs> oh my god! Grayza's Jan! Oh my god. Jan is the boob sweat lady of the office. Oh, poor Jan. Wait, who's Michael? Who is Michael? That is... Wait, is Michael Dargo? Yeah! Yeah, yeah, Michael's Dargo. And on that note... Okay, episode over. Next time we'll be checking in with the ladies in the episode Bringing Home the Beacon. Oh, boo. The women of Moya stumble upon a meeting that looks... (laughs) (laughs) Stop it! Stop it! Stop making me laugh! Sorry. The women of Moya stumble upon a meeting that will change the future of the uncharted territories. The women of Moya? Is this a pinup calendar? The women of Moya? I thought you were laughing at the word meeting since we're just in a whole office thing. No, no. It it just, it reminds me of that old, like, the women of Star Trek thing. And it was like 15 pictures of, you know, Leia in the golden bikini and then like Mon Mothma standing there and Aunt Beru's skeleton. If we want to get into the gender politics of it, it's interesting that this episode is Scorpius takes Crichton, Dargo, and Rigel, right? So they get individual identities. But then this is just the women of Moya. Ladies. Okay, we got some segments we should talk about. We have some segments. Like John, we have ventured to a distant part of the universe. What world building worked for you in this episode? Honestly, I didn't like this episode, but the core conceit, psych- like going to psychic therapy, I really like. And I do really like that the psychic therapy is literally just forming your traumatic memories into little energy balls and throwing them at people. 
I like that. I like the core concept of this episode. I wish we had spent it actually in psychic therapy instead of doing this dumb thing with Dargo. Yes. You know what I wish, what I thought when the episode started was that Macton wasn't there, that this was Dargo dealing with that shit. Yeah, that would have been better. Just like it would have been better if Aaron's mom was a ghost on that ghost planet. Right? I'm not often pulling for it was all a dream, but... Well, and also if it hadn't all been Dargo, like if everybody had been dealing with their shit. Like, Rigel, it's weird. The episode knew we needed that, and that's why Rigel had, like, one second with an enemy that we had never seen before. Yeah. That's not true. We actually had seen them before. Like, we'd seen that race before. But that doesn't, that's not Whatever. my point. That's not my point. Yeah, I'm with you there. Like John, we've encountered strange alien creatures. What alien or creature design would for this episode? The psychic teacher was fine. It was, it was very Star Trek, though. It, it was just it a was, guy with prosthetics. Yeah, it was really Star Trek, but, I mean, that's fine. You're going to get some Star Treks. You're going to get some Star Treks. Yeah. Ain't that the truth? It wasn't a giant CGI spider, okay? It wasn't a giant CGI spider. Like, John, did you look upward? Did uh, anything emotionally resonate with you this episode? Honestly, I did kind of enjoy the little bro moment between uh, John and Dargo. It didn't, like, get me, get me. But I do like the dynamic the two have developed over time. And I do like that John genuinely believes in Dargo in a different way than he genuinely believes in Scorpius. But, like, he, he has faith that Dargo did not kill his wife because... Honestly, no good reason. You know Dargo, so it's nice that you believe in him. Yeah, it it, it makes it very ride or die, you know, like... Yeah. I I like that Rigel showed that kind of loyalty. Since we've been talking about the difference between season one and season four, in season one, these people had no loyalty towards each other. Now, Rigel's like, no, listen, peacekeepers are liars, you're a good man. Yeah. Season one, Rigel wouldn't have cared like that. No. So, Yeah. All right, so I think that does it for us this week. Yeah, I think that'll about do it. Our show's partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Rosa, Ryan, Maricruz, Benjamin, Kate, Jen, Dan, and Anthony. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode or any episode or any episode of any television show, you can email us at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com or tweet at us at ilovetvzines. So until next time, I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territory.